support for WERU comes from our listeners and from George Stevens Academy, welcoming students to discover their world. More information at georgestevensacademy.org. The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Let's Talk Animals with your host Dr. John Hunt is up next. Good morning, Dr. John Hunt. Let's Talk Animals from Aardvarks to Zebras. And we are here live this month. Last month we had an encore performance and on uh, Thanksgiving. Dr. Brad, uh, not Dr., uh, Brad Allen and I talked about turkeys. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're moving on to new material this, um, this month. I do want to put a plug in for Pet Sounds. That's my show on Sunday morning at 730. Uh, I've been doing that for seven years or so. And if you miss the 730 in the morning, if you're doing something constructive like sleeping... Um, you can always go on uh, the archives and look at some of my topics. So we are live today. Uh, please call if you want. Call in for questions or comments at 207-469-0500, 207-469-0500 if you have any questions or comments. And I'm uh, very excited today. This is a, a great topic, maybe a little bit late because it's after Christmas. We're talking about pet photography, taking pictures of your pets. I think we've all done it and sometimes we get lucky and get a good uh, a good picture a lot of our pictures are documentary uh, you remember when at the in the woods or whatever and, and they're just fine however sometimes you want something special and that's when you need to call in the professional and today we have a professional Deborah Bell good morning Deborah good morning pleased to have you here I'm thrilled to be here for you and Deborah is the owner and owner and run runner of the, uh, Bell's Furry Friend Photography. That's the name of her company. And she has taken some time out from her work to come and talk to us about taking pictures of pets. And it's not as simple as you think. I thought it was until I got into some research. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to let Deborah do all the work from now on. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But first, as I do with all my guests, mm -hmm. I always like to ask them how you got here from there. With, What's your story? So I have been in love with animals my whole life, although I never had pets growing up due to where we lived um, and our lifestyle. Um, but I got into pet photography actually when my husband and I adopted our first dog, um, Laura. She was a greyhound uh, rescued from Maine Greyhound Placement Service in Augusta. Um, we had a kitty cat before that, um, Olivia, who ruled the house. Um, she passed away this year. Oh, but, sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, and I had kind of had a chance to get my feet wet with Olivia, but you know, cats are very different than dogs. They're, they're a lot more independent. And what I discovered when we adopted Laura and we went through training classes was I was able to utilize my already burgeoning photography skills to, uh, kind of take on a new challenge. Um, and which is something I love doing. So and some of your background, um, has helped you in this. You went to University of Maine. Yep. I graduated from University of Maine in 2001 with a degree in print journalism. So I had been using my photography skills um, to document stories and to accent uh, publications. But uh, I was able to utilize those skills um, and really kind of take on the, the challenge of pet photography. Um, and, and you got some 
um, training in graphic design? Yep. So I I work as a graphic designer as well oh, now as now you do. Yep. Um, okay. As well as a writer, and that's one of the things that makes my business unique is not only can I do photographs, but I can help my clients put together um, images onto paper or cards, uh, calendars, or wall art, and I can help them with a custom design so that they're not necessarily having to use templates. So something that's unique to them, just as unique as their pets. That's helpful because so. I think we all think we can mm-hmm. sit down at a computer and just just mm-hmm. put a picture on a piece of paper, and I can't do that. I, don't, I yeah. I think a lot of my listeners probably are in the same boat as I am. Yeah. Uh, did you get? Did you do any photography classes, or is photography something? Did you get any formal training in photography? Yep, I have. Uh, I took some photography classes in high school as well as in college, um, and I also own Bell Imaging and Design, which is a primarily a people photography business. And um, that's what kind of had the helm of pet photography before I launched something that was specific to um, just doing pets. Um, Bell Imaging and Design offers like wedding and portrait services, and I always encouraged my clients to bring their pets. Um, to their sessions because you know we especially like high school seniors or families your pets are part of your family and so you want to include them in those pictures um so i'm i mean i love pets and my clients love pets and it's just, just kind of yeah it just seg- kind of segued into okay yeah. so it's always it was always there it was always there it just it just needed a place to to grow well you're a woman after my own heart about oh, journalism thank you my mom majored in journalism at michigan state that was her major so she uh she had a brief career in that, yep. so that's really cool. So that's you're using all your your training and your interests. That's that's pretty rare. Yeah, that's, that's hard to do. I feel very fortunate um, to be able to do something I love and be able to help other people have images and things that they can look back on with fond memories. And the Bell's Furry Friend Photography was established how long ago? Uh, so I opened the, the division in 2013 um, because I had been doing a lot of pet photography in addition to my other services, and I really felt like it was an opportunity to bring a niche to the area that wasn't really being fulfilled. A lot of photographers won't inc- include pets in their sessions, but no one in the area was really specializing in just animal portraits. And so I felt like it was the right time to uh, launch something unique to set myself apart in the community, the photography community. Well, I thought first thing we delve into, mm-hmm. sure. um, God, I, got, I thought I wasn't gonna have enough to, stuff to talk about, but I have too, as I always say every month with my listeners, I have too much. Yep. Um, I'd like just to go kind of a point by point of sure. things that through my research that are relevant to taking photography and that hopefully it will help us understand two things how you approach your professional mm-hmm. photography and kind of get an insight of, of how complicated it is and also it helps our listeners maybe think oh i can maybe when i'm when i'm out in the woods i can mm-hmm. use this technique or whatever so and you're and you're one you're very generous with your time we'll talk mm-hmm. about that later <laughs> with your pro bono work but also you do <clears throat> classes mm-hmm. with uh people who want to take uh Picture. Right. So it's not like you're trying to hog all the, the business. And that's that's not at all. that's the impression I got. And I was very um, I was very impressed with that. Thank you. So the first thing um, I got a whole list here. Mm-hmm. First thing is the the personality of the pet. Right. Uh, you have a quiet pet. You have an active pet. So how do you um, how do you decide where how to photograph a pet depending on their 
the quietness or activity. Sure. So the first thing I do whenever I'm working with a new client, um, even if it's on a personal level, is we sit down, we have a chat about kind of what their pets like, what they like to do, where they like to go. Um, I'm a big proponent of safety when it comes to uh, working with pets. So if it's a situation where they have to be on leash, so like greyhounds, for instance, must be on leash whenever you take them out. Um, I want to know that ahead of time so that I can help them choose maybe, especially if it's like cats or a dog that's more likely to be happy at home, then we'll set up their session at home. Um, if it's a very active dog, we might go into an area that's kind of an enclosed space, but plenty of space for them to roam around and just be a dog. Um, and finding out what the objectives of the client are, um, are big too, because I could take great pictures, but if it's not what they see in their pet, then it's not a successful session. So you have, you're, you're looking at the, what the, what the client is looking for, mm-hmm. but you're looking at lifestyle yep. that's what i'm hearing is the yep. lifestyle but then you have to look at the pet itself right and exactly what the pet so now you know the pet is has a certain lifestyle it goes out in the park whatever right. and your client wants to do something in the park but now you got that third component you look at the animal itself right so when you look at the animal itself are you starting to think okay you're already the gears in your head of how you're going to approach this so how so what do you what kind of do you, do you put the pet in, in a certain category in your head, professional category, like this pet's this way that that, and that's what I mean by personality. Mm-hmm. So where do you, what, how do you, what's your thought process there? So when I'm when I'm working with a pet, I obviously want to know what their favorite thing to do is. So some pets they just love to walk, and we're going to choose a location that's going to be kind of maybe neat. I'm I'm a fan of really environmental stuff out in nature, out in the woods. Um, but I also like to do some more like urban type uh, photography. Some dogs are great. Um, I photographed a, a wonderful mixed breed pet a little while ago. Um, his name is Murphy. He's a, a mixed breed dog. And we utilized some of the areas in downtown Bangor. We kept him on leash, but we were able to utilize stone walls and kind of a more a more gritty urban thing to really bring out his beauty. Um, but that was a little more fun, a little more out of out of the norm. So, um, yeah. so you're starting to blend in lifestyle with the personnel. So you kind of mm-hmm. it's a, it's a blend. It's a, yeah. it's definitely it's always a blend. Okay, and do you get a pretty good beat on it the first meeting, or sometimes you have to meet a dog or a cat a couple times? Um, Are you pretty good now at reading them? Right now, I'm pretty good at reading them. Um, their first time out, a lot of my clients, I do try to, if I can meet them in person before their session, uh, that's ideal because that gives their pet, especially dogs, a chance to kind of get to know me, um, get to know my smells. I use, I utilize really positive um, training methods um, when I work with pets, so I utilize a lot of treats. Um, if they are treat motivated, they get lots of goodies that they can that they can eat. Um, or if they're play motivated, so some dogs, all they want is a ball. Um, and to play with them in addition to trying to get some of those more stationary sitting or lying down uh, shots. So it really, I like to talk with my clients ahead of time. I like to meet the pets ahead of time just so that I can really get a good feel for them and they can meet me. And I think that's kind of the, the most important piece is making it a positive and happy experience. You mentioned, uh, I'm going to go off a little bit on sure. tangent, of course, that we talked about this before the show. We yep. can go off. 
there was not a controversy. There's a difference of opinion mm-hmm. of some photographers. Um, they frown upon treats mm-hmm. in, in, in most circumstances, and one person encouraged or suggested what he or she used was noise. Mm-hmm. As you know, dogs have a very strong orienting reflex. Yeah. And some of my, as a veterinarian behavior speci- behaviorist, um, behavior specialist, I use noise as a orienting, get the, mm-hmm. get the dog oriented away from whatever it is it's doing. And this particular photographer said noise was, he liked that um, the best. And he said he could only use food because then the, then the dog would be too geared towards the food. So can you defend yourself, <laughs> or sure. or tell me, that, you know, what do you just you just use food as an example? Do you use other things? Yes, I use food as an example. Uh, food is probably the one of the most rewarding things for most dogs, but I do a lot of noises. So I, my clients will tell you I make crazy noises. I make high pitched squeals. I might I make mooing sounds. Sometimes I cough. Um, anything to get the pet to pay attention to me. Um, a lot of times, for some dogs, that's the thing that will help them tilt their head is that, that like, beep. Yeah, that little, that little trying to figure out what it is. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I utilize kind of a, a trifecta, um, whatever is going to be the easiest for the pet. Now, some, some dogs, you don't want to use treats right away because they're going to start drooling. Uh, their <laughs> tongue is going to hang out. Which the client um, probably wouldn't want. Right, which I mean, sometimes it's an adorable photo, but for the most part, um, I try to kind of feel out the dog and how they're how they're doing. Most of my most of my clients are dog clients, so if you hear me speak about dogs a lot, that's why. Yeah, we'll talk about cats. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, to- so if you use a toy, is it mm-hmm. usually their toy or a toy in your in that you have in a little box? A little bit of both. Okay. Um, I have some squeaky toys. Um, I find my voice tends to be squeaky enough. <laughs> that uh, it's it's enough to hold their their attention. Um, I bring along with me uh, little squeaky toys, balls, um, and again talking with the client like what their dog tends to tends to navigate towards. Some dogs like my dog Buddy. He could care less about toys. He could care less about food. He just wants lots of praise and lots of love. And for those kinds of dogs, usually we take little breaks in between uh, photos and we get some snuggles in and then they're happy and they go back to being kind of... So you're putting them in, in the mood because mm-hmm. mood reflects, yeah. behavior I, reflects mood. My, my opinion on it is having your picture taken, whether you're a person or an animal, it should be a really positive and fun experience. Um, I really try not to make it a negative experience and I try to put my clients at ease too because it can be really stressful if you're watching your dog and you want them to do a certain thing and they're not doing it and so you get stressed out and when they get stressed out their pets are going to get stressed out so a lot of it is helping everybody feel okay and normal Uh, pet photography sessions can feel a little chaotic sometimes um, but almost all of my clients will tell you that uh, when they see the final result um, all that chaos is forgotten um, I bet they were worried until they see the final results. Yes, yes. Thinking, oh my um, gosh! Especially he their first time out. Yeah. He was pooping and you know, like, like he drooling. peed on he peed on something. <laughs> yeah, it's dogs. It's <laughs> I I don't use anything that can't be washed, that's so right. everything gets washed in between sessions, so that nobody gets nobody gets sick or right, hurt right. or or Good. stinky. <laughs> All of that. So. Well, this is Dr. Hunt, the host of Let's Talk Animals, from Aardvarks to Zebras. Uh, we are live today, so if you have any questions, we're talking about pet photography. We have an expert, 
uh, Deborah Bell from Bell's Furry Friends Photography. So you can call in at 207-469-0500. This is WERU in Orland, 89.9. And we're, uh, we're talking about the personality, how you use um, and, and um, using, getting an idea of the dog's lifestyle and personality. Uh, the other thing I'd like to talk about, we're going to talk about certain uh, sure. points of helping um, you get a good picture, is context. Mm-hmm. Um, and backgrounds, yeah. So you can give a little idea of of what you do with that. Okay. The context of the of the shot. Okay. Um. So as far as backgrounds go, again, it's it's talking with the client about what they what they see as the thing that they think about when they think about their pets. Um. I try to shoot for backgrounds that are not too terribly cluttered, that are interesting, um, and that are specific to the pet. Um, so if we're talking about a dog that's being photographed at home or a dog that's elderly or has health issues, um, their favorite place might be the couch. So we're going to utilize that couch as part of the, uh, the session. Um, I also use their people as part of, part of the session, um, primarily because, you know, we take so many photos of our own pets that we often don't have a, a good photograph of ourselves with them. And for a lot of people, including them in, that way they can, they can focus on rubbing behind the ears or giving their pet love and scritches and things that are going to help them relax. Um, it takes their mind off having the picture done, too. Uh, when I'm outside, I mean, most of the time, uh, most dogs have to be on leash, which is fine. We can remove the leash with the magic of Photoshop. Oh, um, okay. yeah. The so I use, some post, I use some post-processing. It <laughs> helps good. remove things like drool spots and, and yeah. stray hairs and whatnot. But the simpler is better. Um, and that goes for anybody. If you're, a, if you're a photo-passionate person, try to look for really not cluttered backgrounds, um, something that's going to be interesting. I like using barns and stone and grass and trees. Um, what is lot. that? What is a complicated background? Do it distract you from a complicated different... background? Can distract you um, if it's too cluttered, especially if it's somewhere that a lot of pets go, uh, especially a lot of dogs. There's going to be lots of smells and lots of things that are going to distract them, which can make the session a little bit more difficult. So okay. Also, uh, context. Um, mm-hmm. Do you you mentioned a good one? The couch. Mm-hmm. So there's a familiarity to the pet. Right. How about familiarity to the client? and how they link emotions. Have you used context to link their emotions with the pet and the, I guess, their their life? I mean, how do you do that? Absolutely. Um, Again, we talk about kind of the things that they do with their pet and where in their, so if it's an in-house session, uh, where do they spend most of their time? What's their favorite spot that they would like to have photographs taken? Um, And I work those in as well. Um, I use a combination of natural light and flash. So, so you're also, but you're also thinking about specific things by talking with the client. Right. They're meaningful. Right. We actually have a question. Yay. Uh, Eddie from Edie, Edie from Blue Hill. Good morning, Edie. How are you? Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Edie. I'm enjoying the show, and I do a lot of work with animals, and I love animals. And one thing I just wanted to add that I thought was, was fun, I was listening once to um, <clears throat> an animal trainer working with a dog in a film. And unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the film. But one of the things they did was to put a treat 
on the person's head, maybe like either <laughs> taped or so that the dog would look at the person's face mm-hmm. and not elsewhere where a treat, you know, normally might be in your hand or that kind of thing. And I just, I just wanted to add that because I thought it was fun. I've never tried it. I've never used it. But just in terms of animals awareness and all the things that animal trainers know, I thought I just wanted to contribute that. So I'm enjoying the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's a great oh. suggestion, Edie. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Well, it could backfire if you have the food on your head. <laughs> and as you're taking the picture, you take it too late and you see this big mouth right by your face because <laughs> he wants to come up to your yeah. to get that treat. It could be a kind of a Jaws sort yeah. of experience. Yeah, I also uh, utilize perspective. Um, so I most of the time we're going to either shoot down at our pets Um I often will get down on their level, mm-hmm. um, which for some it's also a way to kind of make it a little bit less threatening. Um, or I lay right down, and of course I usually try to make sure somebody's there to help me with that, mm-hmm. so that I don't end up with a with a dog right on top of me. But to photograph them from below, I call it my mighty dog pose. Mm-hmm. Um, so like putting putting a little dog on a, a stone block or on a stair and then shooting up gives them this I, this feel like they're they're that mighty dog that's taking on the world. That was one of the things I wanted to ask yeah. about, uh, the photographing them on their level. Mm-hmm. Most of us are standing there, take a picture downwards, and that's fine. But like you said, you got this mm-hmm. whole new... Do you do anything else on their level besides going underneath? What, what else do you do? Yeah. Do you do all of them on, on their level? I try to do a lot of them on their level. Um, I try to, it, partly because it gives me a better, more realistic perspective of the dog. Um, it, in a lot of ways, it's not threatening. Um, I utilize a lot of uh, dog training um, t- tips and tricks. Um, to watch their behavior. And that's kind of the other big piece that I think a lot of people overlook is being aware of uh, pet behavior, body language, and uh, when they're using calming signals or they're trying to tell you, hey, I'm really stressed, you need to back off. Sometimes we just stop and we take a little break and just let the pet get back to kind of the way they are. And then we'll restart again when things are a little bit calmer. But I never want to stress out a pet. I don't want to stress out their people. Um, it should be a fun experience. Right. You don't yeah. want a picture of them to give them the whites of their eyes. Right. No <laughs> whites. That'd be I a little mean, scary. With, with the exception of some breeds like Boston Terriers uh, that have the more bulbous eyes, yeah. um, sometimes what could be construed as whale eye or that like really white um, portion of their eye is normal. But with most dogs, it's not. <laughs> so. So this. Um, Getting on their mm-hmm. their level, also uh, getting in close. Yes. Versus far. Tell, tell us about that. So I utilize the lens I use most of the time with pet photography is a zoom. It's a twenty eight to three hundred millimeter zoom lens, uh, which allows me to be a fair distance away, um, but also to be able to zoom in nice and close. Um, it's generally non threatening. Um, but getting in nice and close, focusing on an eye or a nose or an ear, paw, tail. Um, I try to include those kinds of detail shots with my clients, especially when I do a like an end of life or a tribute session, um, because a lot of times it's those little details that we remember about our pets, how they had like a heart-shaped um, spot on their side, or I really loved their ears. Um, I try to make sure I have those those details in. It's something a little bit different. Um, 
profile shots are another one that's really good. You can utilize your hand and kind of hold it out to get them to pay attention and then zoom in nice and close. Now, if you don't have the luxury of having a lens that will zoom like that, moving yourself in and out um, will also allow you to get nice and close. Um, well, the zoom lens, I guess, are they're pretty good these days. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're pretty far away and you zoom in, don't you get a little bit of a granulation because of the light? Um, you you can. Um, so your acuity is not as clarity and not as good. Right, and it all really comes down to the lens. Um, if you know for a fact that your camera or your cell phone um, tends to get a little bit grainy when you zoom in with it, then I would suggest just moving your body closer to the okay. to the pad. So that's equipment. Yep. With a lot of us don't have as good equipment as you. Yeah, I know when I use my cell phone and I try to zoom in, whether I'm taking a picture of my pets or my people, um, that when you zoom too close, things kind of grain out a little bit, and it's not as as uh, crisp and clean as I would prefer it to be. So if you're moving in close mm-hmm. and you're at their level, can you do you have to avoid a um, uh, distortions? I mean, you look at it, you, have, you take a picture of a dog, let's say face on, mm-hmm. and pretty close, and they have this, the picture looks like they have a huge nose. I mean, because that's the way it's the picture. I mean, do you have to worry about that? Is that... Um, I don't, but I know it's a it's an equipment issue. Um, so your camera should be set up to focus. So a lot of cameras have uh, movable focus points. Uh, you can learn about that by reading your manual. I, I know I said <laughs> oh, the word. Well, um, don't talk to a guy about that about manuals. That's just doesn't... or the quick the quick sheet. But, oh, okay, that's good. yeah. I was gonna say you don't have to get into the, like the the five hundred page manual, but please um, no. no. Finding out how to utilize the focus points on it. Um, a lot of times you want to focus right between the eyes or on like the upper bridge of the nose, and that will reduce the That's amount your focal of focal point. Yeah. Okay. So that will reduce the amount of distortion. It will also keep the eyes nice and tight. Okay. Or nice and not tight, but crisp. You have to, when you're taking close ups, mm-hmm. you have to, don't you sometimes have to prepare, like mm-hmm. get the goobers out of the eyes and yes. stuff? So it's little details that your mm-hmm. owner probably, the owner doesn't think of goobers all the time. They don't think about it, but you see a big thing and, in their eye. And I usually, because I'm really hands-on, depending on the comfort level of the pet, a lot of times I'll give them some love and I'll wipe away something that I might see. <laughs> Folks with dogs that tend to drool quite a bit are pretty aware of uh, goobers and and drool spots and things that they need to wipe away. So they're very helpful when it comes to, to getting great pictures. Which, again, going off on a mm-hmm. tangent, if you have, um, you're taking a picture of a sick animal mm-hmm. that's debilitated and yeah. thin or, or hair. So you must have to, what's your strategy for that? Uh, so... That would be um, something I would go really slow. We take the session really, really, really slow. I also find out about any, I, I always ask if they can be moved. Like, are they okay with being picked up? Can I touch their paws? Are there areas of their body that they don't like being touched or that they're sensitive about? Um, and we try to, to move as slowly as possible. A lot of times I will have the, the pet owner help me if I need to move them or position them in a certain way. Um, I always want to make sure it's a it's a positive experience for for the pet and comfortable because um, especially older older pets that are maybe have aches and pains just like the rest of us um, we want to make sure that we don't hurt them in the process of of having their picture taken because that defeats the purpose 
Which brings me, mm -hmm. I want to follow up question sure. on that. Uh, another point is framing, yep. framing picture. So let's use our our sick cat or dog. Mm -hmm. And you said you get to be very careful, but also you, don't you have to change the way, how you're, what's going to be in the picture because the, the sick animal may have a, a growth right. or a bald spot or, you know, some distort, some sickly looking thing and you, mm -hmm. and you assume you try to avoid that i do you tried to make but so you see so try to make them look young or just try to capture the the essence of what they are at that time what's your i try to capture the essence of who they are at the time but with that in mind if they have a tumor or growth or an area that's been shaved because they surgery. have had surgery or something like that um i often will move around the pet a little bit to see what the best angle might be um, and then utilize something that's positive for them. So whether it's a treat or it's a toy or it's just a scratch behind the ear, um, utilize that to kind of keep their mind off of it and frame accordingly. So for a lot of pet owners, they run a really beautiful portrait. Um, it might be that if they had a shave on one side of their body, we photograph from the other side um, and just position them so that they've got their best, best paw forward. Do owners um, in that situation, do mm -hmm. they give you um, preferences or or they say, I, I would like that lump in, I mean, do they say, I, do, yeah. do they give you they, some cues or they just say outright, I want it this way? Um, most of the time they give me some cues as to what they would prefer. Um, I, talk a, I talk a lot <laughs> during the sessions, um, partly to keep my pets comfortable, but also to communicate with their owners. Um and for a lot of pet owners, especially if we're doing a, a sick pet or an end-of-life type session, they'll tell me if there's something specific, like there's a tree in the backyard that they want to have their pet photographed in front of, or if they want the lump that's on the side of the dog avoided. Um, I do recommend not getting too crazy with removing things um, from the situation. I do utilize some Photoshop and some Lightroom uh, after editing. But in my opinion, like our pets are, are the way they are and they're beautiful no matter what. Um, and I just help make that beauty a little bit more. Especially beautiful. in the eye of the mm -hmm. owner. Yeah. Any other aspects of framing besides that particular circumstance just sure. generally? Sure. Um, avoid putting that pet right in the middle of the frame. Um, try something different. Um, I shoot vertical a lot. I know most people will shoot horizontal, so um, and it's just a preference for me. I I do it absentmindedly, um, so I was trying to make sure I do both a vertical and a horizontal um, option. There's a there's a feature called the rule of thirds, which is basically positioning your subject just not center of the frame, but either. Um, in a third of it. So it might be that there's more white space to the the left side of the pet and they're looking off into the distance or um, there's a lot of space above. As a graphic designer, uh, we utilize uh, that kind of rule of thirds a lot because then you can add um, additional things in. You can add type if you're going to be doing a card. Right. Um, you can utilize it as an opportunity to do a collage right in the right in the image um and as far as framing and other composition pieces just be creative think try to think a little bit like okay i've shot 
with them to the side and I've shot with them in the center. How could I look at this differently? So maybe you shoot from above the pet or you shoot from below the pet um, or you focus on their eye or you utilize a toy and you shoot through the toy to photograph the pet. Um, so be creative and have fun. So you're, you're vertical mm-hmm. versus horizontal. When you're doing a vertical shot, your third your thirds mm-hmm. rule, isn't that um, a little bit more tight? Mm-hmm. So you, you have you don't have as much room. So how do you how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> how do you do that? Um, so I, I mean, I do a lot of this subconsciously now, but um, with the rule of thirds, you can position them kind of off to the side, or they can take up the bottom third or the two thirds of the frame. So it might be that it's this really gorgeous portrait of I photographed a Doberman who's elderly right now, and she's a beautiful dog, very friendly. Her owners are fantastic, and we utilize that rule of thirds to showcase a lot of the body in addition to her face, and it it really was worked. beautiful. It worked really beautifully. Oh, good. And now that it's after Christmas, I can start sharing these images. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, how about lighting? Um, flash versus mm-hmm. no flash. Um, the fear, mm-hmm. red eye all kind of stuff yeah so what do you what do you do with all that yeah so most of my sessions are outdoors um so we we utilize uh, natural light quite a bit and believe it or not overcast days can be really beneficial when you're doing photography especially pets because you don't get that really glare of the sun um, plus it's it's not as hot for them um so I shoot primarily at the beginning of the day or the end of the day instead of midday when it's the hottest and it's the brightest um, I utilize, I also utilize a flash that's attached to my camera, um, with certain pets. I have some pets we can't use, um, flash because they have a, um, a fascination with it or an over fascination with it. Oh, what did they um, do? They, uh, start chasing the, the light <laughs> <laughs> that comes from it. Um, so it's distracting for them. So in that case, I utilize, I utilize manual a lot when I, I photograph, so I'm able to adjust the amount of light that comes into my camera um, right from within mm-hmm. and not have to utilize um, the flash. Uh, windows provide great light, especially if you have nice big uh, windows that face out. Uh, I say open them up. Uh, use a lot of, I. if I'm doing an indoor session, I also utilize a lot of lamps, indoor lights, um, and windows to pretty much light my situation. and it's really, it, it's a case-by-case case sort of basis. Is your, when you do a studio shooting, mm-hmm. do you have a lot of windows? Is uh, that a bright studio or you light? So I, my studio is mobile. Um, so if I'm doing a traditional formal studio shoot, I have a pair of lights that come with me and then I have a flash that's on the camera. And like I said, it will depend on the pet because some pets have uh, an over-fascination with the, the flash and the lights that come up with that. Um, as far as outdoors, I look for open spaces and some shade um, that will allow for nature to help me light things uh, the best. How about when you're dealing with a black, all black pet or all white pet, uh-huh. and you are in the shadows and you look and where's my pet? <laughs> it's, it's not there. So what do you do to so, to make the, make your owner happy? <laughs> so I utilize, um, like I said, I utilize the sun, but black pets are difficult. 
Um, I try to figure out where the sun is in relation to the pet, and we turn so that the the sun is going to help me light that pet up more. Um, So it might be that if the sun's coming from over my shoulder, I'm going to have them look at me so that they get that light bouncing off their their fur. Uh, White dogs on white snow are also another difficulty. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just two little eyes. Yeah, little nose. Um, That's your pet. (laughs) Yeah, in that case, we would turn away from the sun, and we would. I would probably uh, turn my shutter speed um, up a little bit and adjust my settings. I was going to ask you: Do you do you can you overexpose or underexpose based on your f stop and all that kind of stuff? Right. I mean, if you underexpose with a darker with a darker pet, sometimes that helps to get those extra highlights in there. Okay. Um, the photography um, editing equipment I have, um, because I shoot raw, so for the techies I shoot raw, um, which is a, it's a format of, um, of image. Think of it like a negative. Um, the raw is, it allows you to play with exposure a little bit more. It allows you to play with highlights and it's a, ma- it's a manual it's versus a man- automatic. Well, and raw is a function. Um, so oh, it's, it's a, a fun- okay. yeah. So, um, a lot of the newer cameras can either shoot raw or JPEG. Um, and JPEG is like, your, I know it's over my head. It's, I mean, for the basic consumer, um, you're going to be fine shooting JPEG, but I would highly encourage folks to play with, um, manual because you're going to have more control over your image and you're going to have more control over your light and you're going to have better results. That to me, when I, when mm-hmm. I did a lot of nature photography, mm-hmm. I had a manual mm-hmm. and they didn't have automatics. When right. I'm really old. So it's okay. My <laughs> first camera was, it was me. It had a little bit of an automatic function, but I had to learn manual. And it was uh, the art of the mm-hmm. picture was mm-hmm. you adjusting the speed and the F-stop and, all, yeah. and the lighting and stuff. So these automatics can actually be, a double-edged sword mm-hmm. it's easy to get it all in focus but you may not get the kind of picture you want right it might be overexposed and it, yeah. it's mucky but, but or the camera murky. but the camera read it as the proper mm-hmm. exposure yeah and that isn't what you wanted so that's a right. warning to our listeners is um you know, be careful with the automatics because you're not going to get what you want yeah. sometimes and if you're using your cell phone i mean you'll be able to tell if you're if you're shooting into the light you're going to probably get some haziness behind you are behind the, the pet or in front of them. Um, and that's just shift where you are. So turn just a little bit. Okay. Um, Very good. Yeah. You mentioned um, people. Yes. Um, sounds like you use people a lot in your... Yes. Do you... Um, tell me about how you use them. Do you do candid versus posing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what mixture? I do a little bit of both. Um, so most of the time I will set the person and the pet up in the scenario that I want them to. So for example, um, if it's a really active pet, I'm going to probably have them play ball or throw a Frisbee or do something interactive that has them, um, having fun with their pet. Um, if it's a older pet or it's a more sloggy pet. So my, my Greyhound buddy would be a good example of this. He doesn't play. Um, and for us, it would be more of a matter of just kind of sitting down with him and helping him feel comfortable. Um, and so that would be more of a, like a slightly posed sort of deal. So I will often get people seated. So for example, if I'm doing a portrait of a person in their pet, I would probably get the person seated or standing, depending on the size of the animal, um, and then give them some pointers on how to um, hold their pet sometimes restrain them. I will often use leashes 
um, tricks of tricks and looks how like to, you're whole, hugging, but you actually exactly. you got a, a headlock on them and you don't know it. Right, I, <laughs> or you're you're grabbing them by the neck subconsciously, and that's I mean, you don't think about it, but right. sometimes it's just okay. We're going to move that hand down, so you're going to rub their chest, which is a great thing for dogs. Dogs right. love that. Yeah. They don't like to be hugged, but they like to have their ears rubbed and neck rubbed and their belly rubbed. Um, so we hide the leash so they still have control. So it helps the person feel good about the situation they're in and it helps to kind of keep the pet in place. Um, if the pet pops out, we usually just, I'll walk them around and then we'll situate them back. A lot of it's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, um, especially for younger and active active pups who <laughs> like to move around quite a bit. So, but now you have two problems. You, mm-hmm. you have to make sure the pet is in the right pose mm-hmm. and the owner. Because even take pictures of people alone, yep. you have to get them in the right. So how do you you just take a lot of pictures and hope you get a the both of them at the at the same time in the right? Yeah, pose I, or? I mean I don't say that it's luck, but I think some of it is um, being patient. So the biggest the biggest thing you need when you photograph people and pets is patience and understanding that okay, so pop got up and moved. No problem. We're just going to put him right back into position. You don't get freaked. Uh, then the don't get freaked get, out. Then yeah. the owners get freaked out or they get uncomfortable or they get frustrated. And then their mindset has shifted entirely. And I don't want that to happen. Um, and a lot of times I tell my owners, I was like, just give them love. Rub behind their ears. Um, sometimes rubbing behind the ear will help perk the ears a little bit. And then my job is just to make the pet pay attention to me, which usually the funny noises that I make are enough to make the people laugh too. So it's kind of a, it's a bonus. So you're real, you're yeah. regular comedian. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pet portrait comedian. I'm a, I'm a silly, silly person. When it it comes works. To, and it that's works. the way you have to be. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to have a sense of humor about it. Cause Good. Well, this is Let's Talk Animals, Aardvarks of Zebras at WERU FM 89.9 in East Orland. We're in the studios live today. Uh, please call 207-469-0500 if you have any questions for our guest uh, from the, um, I forgot, <laughs> from the Bell's Furry Friend Photography. Uh, Deborah Bell's here, a professional photographer of pets. Uh, we're talking about how we take pictures and a lot of um, ins and outs and all the complications. Mm-hmm. So please call for any kind of comment or question you may have for Deborah at 469-0500. We don't have too much time left, so don't wait. Call if you can. And we're going to keep moving on as mm-hmm. to different points of photography. And sure. Anything that I omit, please uh, include. Uh, freeze action. Okay. So these action, are you saying that they're running around? Mm-hmm. Um, so what's your, what's your technique? What, when do you use it? That sort of thing. Um, so if they're running around and they're moving, I uh, make sure my shutter speed's fairly high so that it stops that action as quickly as possible. What's the minimum? Um, One twenty. It depends on the lighting and the area. Uh, okay. Um, uh, your manual will tell you. <laughs> um, it, if you trial and error, will also kind of give you a good feel for that. Um, and if it's a darker kind of lighted situation, uh, using flash will often stop motion okay. fairly quickly. Um, and the pet won't be as disturbed by because they're in right. the middle of doing something. They're in the middle of having a great time. Okay. Um, I, having gray, having started out photographing greyhounds, um, they move very quickly. 
most of the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the ones, the rescue ones I used to yep. deal with did, did not. When they came in the clinic, they're very yeah, they're very methodical. they're very methodical dogs. But when they get when they get the zoomies and they're they're out running, they just have a great time. If it's the middle of the day and it's bright sun outside, you probably don't have a lot to worry about in terms of freezing motion. Um, but making sure your shutter speed is is high enough um, is a, a good place um, to start. What's the burst mode? What's that? So burst mode in most cameras will allow you to take multiple pictures like really fast. In uh, so you hold down the shutter and it takes like exactly, and that's for. I don't, but I have clients who do, and that often will help them get that that one shot that is fantastic, that has that dog like in the middle of that bounce, um, maybe grabbing the, the frisbee or the or the ball, um, and yeah. So there's something uh, off topic a little bit mm-hmm. that professional uh, sports photographers use the burst mode. Mm-hmm. Then they can just take the twenty frames and pick the one that has the ball yeah. right at the okay. Yeah. So they're cheating. <laughs> well, they're doing their job with the tools that they have. Yes. My brother so. used to take, in high school, took pictures yep. of football, and his pictures yep. would be on the front of the local paper, but he he just got it just right. Yeah. So I applaud my brother yeah. for his expertise. Um, so another thing is playful versus candid, mm-hmm. uh, setup versus, I mean, we, we kind of went over this, but uh, do you like candid more or, or the... Or it depends on what you're doing. Is it a if it's a portrait, you're not going to have it candid, obviously. Right. I I love candid moments, and candid moments can honestly come out of a situation that's more of a a a planned portrait type thing. Um, I work with Don Hansen at Green Acres quite a bit. It's where I got a lot of my training from, as far as pet behavior goes, and I photograph him and his dog Muppy on a, a yearly basis. Um, and every time we set up a, a traditional type portrait and we get some adorable candid that comes out of it or they'll stick their tongue out halfway through the, the portrait session. So I mean, I, I think a lot really comes down to the, the personality of the pet. Some are just, they're lovers and some are comedians. What do you prefer? I prefer candids. Um, I prefer to let the, the pet be who they are and figure out the best way to capture that. Right. So. Okay. Uh, Wide-angle lenses. Mm-hmm. That puts a whole new perspective uh, in terms of what you see in it. The, now you talk about context and background mm-hmm. and distortions. And can that be used? Do you use it? Would you recommend it or just uh, scrap it? Um, I think it depends on what you're using the wide-angle lens for. I don't use a wide-angle lens. Um, I prefer to use the zoom lenses because I can get a little bit of a wide angle, but some like fisheye lenses are going to seriously distort um, the image. Now, with the right the right use, that can be something fantastic. Um, but for most everyday everyday purposes, I I would say get to get to know your camera and use a good zoom or a good prime lens. So prime lenses are like a fixed uh, millimeter, so like a 35 millimeter prime lens. You're not going to be able to zoom it in or out, so you're going to have to be the zoom, so you'll have to get in close or far right. away. So, so wide angle is not something, unless you want, yeah. I guess, a lot of the background included, which then you lose the pet. Right, right. Well, it, you'll, dis, you'll distort. The, the pet will kind of take a little bit of a warped side long yeah so a dachshund would be really long (laughs) yes (laughs) my gosh yeah 
So one thing we haven't been talking about, mm-hmm. we're talking about taking a picture of a pet. Mm-hmm. Pets, plural, groups, yep. yeah. gangs. Gangs. <laughs> gangs of pets. Yes. You know, a lot of people have multiple pets. How do you deal with that? Um, through a lot of conversation. And, and patience. Figuring, and patience. <laughs> lots of patience. Um, and through finding out what their personalities are like. So... Yeah. Um, the largest group of pets that I've ever photographed was seven dogs, and their t- and their people. They're two people, um, and it was a lot of patience. Sometimes I'll bring an assistant with me, especially if I know it's going to be a a large gang of of dogs or cats or I don't know rats, uh, horses, <laughs> um, or a large group, and just to have that extra set of hands so that I can be kind of stationary and have somebody help me um, put dogs back in place. Um, if it's a gang of if it's a gang of pets and they tend to play all together, I would encourage people to put that as part of their session. So we have playtime, and then we once we've tired them out a little bit, then we do a more traditional traditional portrait. Is that something also mm-hmm. in any um, subject? Tell the owner to to get them to bring them tired. Yeah, or sometimes you don't want them to be tired. A little, a little tired. So dogs like labs and really active dogs should, any dog really, should have a short walk before they come to me. Uh, I usually recommend that my pet owners withhold a little bit of their breakfast or dinner or like don't overindulge them with treats before they come because uh, I want them to focus on me right. um, and to bring with them toys and, and what whatever their pet loves. Some dogs and cats have their favorite toy, and so I want them to bring that with them. Um, when it's conditions like it is now, it's wet and muddy and snowy, um, walk them on leash to hopefully not get them dirty. <laughs> Um, and dogs that require grooming, have them groomed a couple days ahead of time. Not Um, that day. Not that day. Um, unless it's a, unless it's a light haircut or a bath. Um, so those are some of the the best ways to set yourself up for success before your pet photography session. I do have a guide that I send to clients before their session that answers a lot of questions on how to prepare them, how to choose colors, uh, if they're going to be part of the session. So like clothing colors, clothing styles, um, and some basic guidelines about how to make this an awesome experience for their pet. How about cats? We haven't talked about cats. cats. And exotics. And exotics. We don't have much time, okay. so we've got to cover these guys. Okay. You know, so. birds and chameleons <laughs> and lizards and snakes yeah. and kitty so cats. So I haven't done a lot of lizards. Um, I photographed a really beautiful uh, bearded dragon a little while ago, and that was a great experience i want to do more so if you have an iguana or a lizard uh, no snakes please no snakes oh come on they're nice <laughs> no snakes <laughs> you're running a business you can't I just know, you can't turn away clients now. <laughs> um so it's really cats are it will all come down to if they're playful or if they're shy okay. um i have two kittens in my house right now and i'm training them with the cell phone that they love having their picture taken because they get rewarded. So they get food after they have, it, they have their pictures taken. We play. Um, I've been photographing a lot of kittens lately, so a lot of it's just play. Um, so active, candid. Active, candid. And then once they've played and they've gotten tired, then we do the more traditional um, kind of lying down or sleepy shots. Um, I don't do a lot with dressing up pets. Um, I would never tell my client not to. Um, but a lot of it will come down to if the pet's comfortable with that. Um, I do recommend not using, uh, not bringing choke collars 
or prong collars to the session, and I don't allow the use of e-collars during a session um, just because it's a distraction. Um, but, I mean, what you do with your pet is, is your business, but for the best success with your photographs, you wanna, we want to set the pet up for the best the best experience. So the cat's mainly is candid. It's very little posing. Very little Unless posing. Unless you're holding, holding in someone's yep. arms. Yep, and then, I mean, if you're if you're holding your cat, you want to settle their bum in your, like, the crook of your elbow or have your hand under it um, so that they feel, they don't feel confined, but they feel supported. Um, and lots of scratches. And, again, it comes down to the cat. Some cats just want you to leave them alone, and they will allow you to take their picture if they're, on their space. Uh, cats are on their terms. So how many businesses, what, 10% cats? 20%? Yeah, probably about 10% so cats. It's many. 90% or 98%, 89% dogs, and then the the occasional horse or... Uh, throwing a lizard and you're throwing all Throwing a lizard and we're all, all good. Set. You did mention... Um, mm-hmm. God, I'm running out of time. We're, um, you did mention mm-hmm. in some of your literature about chicks and rabbits bunnies and some rules and regulations it's just not as simple as people think so right fill our listeners sure um so there are rules and regulations with the government um about the use of bunnies and chicks um in photo sessions um it's one thing if they're your pets but it's another if you're going to somebody who's offering like an easter session with bunnies they're very um fragile um, and ch- chickens carry salmonella, so it's something that if you're inc- if you have chickens, uh, make sure you wash your hands afterwards. Um, if you are using bunny, if they're your own bunnies, that's one thing. But I would highly recommend not setting up with somebody else's uh, bunnies. If you see that, you'd probably little red flags should go up. Yeah, or you want to ask if they have, they have the license. Pro- appropriate license from the Department of Agriculture. And uh, if they're insured, uh, so I'm in my business is insured. Um, I I do that primarily as a as a uh, safety net for myself, but also for my clients because I want them to know that like I take my business very seriously. Um, and insurance is something that a, a good photographer should have. Um, right. And you said you're training. You have train. You have training in first pet first aid and behavior, mm-hmm. especially the first aid in case something mishap. Yep. You can at least. Give some kind of first aid before you get into exactly. the vet. I carry a Accidents first, happen. Exactly. Accidents happen. I carry a first aid kit on me um, for every session. I carry water bowls and uh, water. Um, I am certified in pet first aid and CPR, so that's an added bonus to my clients. Um, and, uh, yeah. One last thing about the exotics. If there's yeah. an exotic animal you know is not on the permission list in Maine, yeah. you're gonna, and they own this animal, you know it's illegal, what do you do with that? Um, I've never, I've never come across that. So you don't have to worry about it. Okay, interesting. Um, We don't have much time. Okay. Rats. (laughs) Oh, photo cards. Adorable. (laughs) They are. They're very. They're cute. They're very cute. Uh, Want to talk about your pro bono work? Sure. Uh, You do a lot of it, and uh, you're proud of that, and you should Mm be. I mean, you work. There's on on your website. It just lists all the things. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a, a, a global network. I want you to talk about Hearts Speak. And just a little bit about your pro bono. We have like a minute or two. Sure. Um, 
about your pro bono work? Yeah, so I am a member of HeartSpeak, which is a national organization that provides pro bono photography and design services to rescue shelters, um, animal shelters, and uh, organizations that work towards helping uh, homeless pets find homes. Um, that entails uh, working with local shelters to provide them with photo coverage for events. So, like, I photograph the Bangor Humane Society's pause on parade every year. Um, I've done some photography services for the Waterville, or the Humane Society of Waterville area. Um, and I also do a lot of philanthropic work with uh, the Furry Friends Food Bank in Bangor. Uh, that's part of the Eastern Area Agency on Aging. Um, Furry Friends helps keep, uh, helps seniors and people with disabilities be able to get some food assistance for their pets so they don't have to give them up. Um, I feel very strongly that as a photographer, I have talents that need to be shared. And while I don't do like 90% of my business is not philanthropic, I think it's important to give back to the community in some way. Um, with shelters, it's especially important because of the fact that, um, Good pictures help pets find homes faster. Okay. One thing you mentioned about rescue uh, organizations provide strategic photography service. Mm -hmm. Give me like 10 seconds on that one. So strategic photography service, that would be like uh, photos of their staff doing work. Um, it might also be of their building, something that's going to help increase their uh, increase their knowledge or, and their, their vision in the community. So, okay, and good. you can see a lot of this at bffpetphotography.com or bffpetphotos.com. Kind of fill in our hour. Yeah. Of, it's been a great hour. You you have packages that mm -hmm. uh, very amazing imagination. You have the storyteller. Yep. Um, where you you create a story mm -hmm. for your pet. You have my best friend. Yep. So it's a, again it's a uh, it's a kind of um, top not topic a uh, category. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have tribute sessions we talked about with our uh, older animals. Deborah Bell, thank you very much from Bell's Furry Friend Photography. We've run out of time. Uh, look on her, her website to fill in all the stuff she's done. But I think most of us know what you do and how complicated it is. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is Dr. John Hunt for Let's Talk Animals from Aardvarks to Zebras. We'll see you next month, and Happy New Year. What do year-round island communities in Maine, the Chesapeake Bay, and the Great Lakes have in common? Their working waterfronts are crucial for the island's future. This is Natalie Springle from the University of Maine Sea Grant, host of Coastal Conversations. On our next program, we will hear stories from island-based working waterfront communities in Maine and around the country.